Good morning, friends, and thank you for joining Downstate Abbey. Today is Pearl Harbor Day, and I think it's important to take a moment to recognize the sacrifice that so many people have made over the years in defending our nation from attacks from without and attacks from within. I wake up every morning with the reality kind of staring me in the face that we are truly under attack from within to a very large extent right now. I continue to be amazed that we have allowed and kind of just watched in many instances with horror and you know with real heartbreak and with real anguish we've watched major major societal structures that were hard fought for be completely knocked out from under us i am horrified that in dealing with a virus that has again a 99.997 recovery rate not for one second am I detracting from the value of any life that was lost due to this novel virus, nor would I take away in any way or diminish the value or the sense of loss of anyone who's died from any sort of flu, any sort of lung infection, any sort of anything that causes the demise of a human being. I, I'm not diminishing that at all. What I am saying is, if we went back, you know, to Pearl Harbor, if we went back to that day and age, there came a time in every major crossroads in the history of our country in which people had to be brave. They had to push forward in the midst of obstacles, in the midst of danger, in the midst of unknowns. And what I'm seeing right now is completely completely 180 degrees opposite of that. What I'm seeing is our leaders telling us to lock up in our houses because of a virus that has almost a 100% recovery rate. These same leaders that are not having any sort of positive impact on having us be prepared to care for people who will not be able to fight off this virus on their own. I mentioned it in an earlier podcast. Why in the world? Or do we have hospitals in the very capital of our state of New York not having enough PPE, not having enough face masks, not having enough gowns, disposable gowns? What? Come on. Stop it. Where is our governor? Well, why? Why isn't there just ample supplies for these frontline workers? Why? That's such a disgrace. It's such a slap in the face to them, to the families. What we're seeing happen right now is absolute abuse of power. We're being told, okay, this surge in cases is because people got together with families at Thanksgiving. It's because people aren't wearing masks enough. Stop it. This is a virus, okay? A virus. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. The best thing we can do is ramp up our immune systems to it and ramp up the supplies, ramp up the manpower we need to be able to meet the needs of people whose bodies are not able to fight it off on its own. And instead, what we're being told is to cower in fear, stay inside, wear masks, you know, everywhere, in your car. I mean, I, that's the message people are getting because that's what I'm seeing everywhere when I drive down the road. You know, and, and then there's this shaming of people who are questioning, you know, really shutting down schools when schools are proving to be the safest place for kids with regard to transmission. Shutting down schools, as I said in an earlier podcast, forcing families to put kids in the presence of vulnerable people, 
um, you know, asking grandparents to, you know, can you please watch the kids because we have to work. Okay, so there's that. So if you're going to really look at this through the lens of science and logic, that doesn't make any sense scientifically or logically. Or putting kids into daycare where they're going to be exposed to a whole different pool of kids from varying school districts, varying age groups. None of this makes sense. And you know what's so refreshing to me? The fact that you find people downstate are pushing back. Like you're showing up at the steps of City Hall and you're telling de Blasio, open up our schools. My kids are going to school. And, and good for you. We could take a lesson upstate from that. Upstate could really take a lesson in that because here's the thing. We are shelling out millions and millions of dollars. The small district that we, you know, hail from, $71 million budget, okay? And, and kids are handed a Chromebook. And, and why in the world? Explain to me why we have teachers. I, I mean, I have, I've had teachers tell me this themselves. So I'm not, you know, making this up or pulling this scenario out of thin air. How do you expect a teacher to sit down or stand up or be, you know, be present at the front of a live classroom instructing a live class, but also be on a, you know, Zoom call with the virtual students. How does that make any sense? And, and really, with all due respect, the amount of money, the amount of personnel we have within public education, and, and we're not coming up with a better system, like, hey, let's hire someone to do the videos for grade two, for example, and let the teacher teach in front of the classroom. or. You know, let's have a statewide, easily accessible online interface that people can log into anytime, anytime that's convenient for them, and have a live lesson that corresponds with whatever day they're supposed to be on at the moment, and have downloadable worksheets, and, you know, have something that's user-friendly. I mean, we're nine months into this. People can grow a whole baby human in nine months, and we can't even seem to wrap our head around the fact that, guess what? It's not feasible for families to park three, four, five kids down at the same time for a Zoom meeting that starts at 8, 10 a.m. I mean, what? I, we have leaders that are so ridiculously out of touch right now. If you're an essential worker, a frontline worker, you know, let's imagine you work an overnight shift. You know, you get out of work about the time that most people's alarm clocks are, are getting hit at the snooze button for the second or third time. And you've got kids that are going to be waking up, you know, at some point as the sun comes up or, or not. I mean, let's face it, kids' schedules are completely willy-nilly right now. You've got kids that are staying up all night gaming because mom and dad are at work or mom and dad are too tired or mom's too tired or whoever. There, that is happening, and that's something that needs to be talked about in this whole disaster of this completely intentional erosion of our public education system. That is happening, and some of it's survival, you know? I mean, I'm, I think that a lot of parents are just doing the best they can, and if their kids are inside and they're safe and they're on a gaming console, then that's the choice they're making. Do I think it's a good idea? No. Do I think that long-term damage is done to children's brains as a result of being wired up to electronics for the vast majority of their waking hours? Yeah, and you know what? Science backs that up. But nobody seems to care about that science. But, I mean, back to the discussion here. What are people supposed to do? Seriously. 
seriously, you get out of work at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., whatever. You've got a kid, multiple kids to teach. You've got to get them on because they have to be on at a certain time to be part of the Zoom, you know, meeting lesson for the day. I mean, it, this is preposterous. I mean, you can't tell me that nine months ago people weren't thinking, you know what, this could continue into the fall and winter. We should probably have a better plan in place. Nine months went by. Come on. Come on. And then this is what we get? This is ridiculous. This is such an abuse of power. It's absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Science is proving time and again schools are about the safest place for kids to be in a lot of ways, but especially with regard to COVID-19, the virus with a 99.997 recovery rate. And that's not fully taken into consideration the metrics that involve the people who have it who are asymptomatic, whose bodies are just kicking it without them even knowing they were sick. So, you know what? Come on, people. We're watching government just encroach in more and more and more. If someone tests positive and they happen to be at a church within the days leading up to their positive test, the church gets shut down for a period of time. Where does this end? Do you see Walmart getting shut down? because somebody that was in Walmart test positive? No. Do you see any sort of shutdown happening, you know, with, with somebody testing positive that worked at Taco Bell? No. You know, what you get is a little blurb on the news. Hey, if you were there between such and such time and such and such time on such and such date, you might have been exposed. You know, take care of that. that that's what happens when you're dealing with big business, corporate money, maximum exposure, you know, massive amounts of people exposed potentially at one time. If we're going to look at the science, really, I mean, think about the metrics here. If you have a person that works at a fast food joint who tests positive, think about the number of people that they potentially come in contact with on any given shift. I mean, I know my fast food joints in my hometown, you know, the line is wrapped around the parking lot half the time. You're talking about scores of people in, in one hour, I, I don't see I don't see McDonald's getting shut down. I don't see any of that happening. So you know where's the logic here, really? Where's the logic here that we're all going to just sit back and watch churches get shut down? We're going to watch our schools continue to shut down, but we're going to watch millions and millions and millions of dollars get pumped into a system that is not serving our children and families well at all right now. We're going to just take this, people. I think we should take all take a lesson from people downstate and show up and say, enough is enough here. You are literally taking these hero workers, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about just this small subset of the population that's being horribly victimized by these policies right now. You know, our heroes, our frontline workers, imagine what these decisions are doing to them right now. Imagine you're a sleep exhausted single mother of multiple kids, you work your butt off to take care of your patients, and you're working double, triple time, you know, triple duty. You're lucky if you can take a leak once in your twelve hour shift. Because people are calling in sick, people are calling in because they have no one to watch their kids during the day or any other time, so they can't possibly work and leave kids home alone. When you really look at what this is doing to the people who are holding things together, it is absolutely cruel. It's beyond cruel. So you're going to take that single mother, you know, working her tail off, doing the best she can to care for her patients, 
you know, maybe she has a means by which to have somebody watch her kids during the day or overnight or whatever. Sleep deprived beyond belief and immune system completely weakening. The more fatigued she gets, the more she has to, you know, fight off pathogens that she comes in contact with at her job. Complete exhaustion. You know, it's a time of year people usually get sick. I mean, this time of year, characteristically, every every kid in my household gets sick this time of year. It, it's no different in a lot of households. So you're going to take workers such as such as her and stress them beyond belief to the point that their immune systems can, cannot fight anything off, let alone a novel virus. How is this proactive? How is this helpful? Because this is what's actually being done to our frontline workers right now. No place to send their kids during the day, trying to teach multiple grade levels, working spread unbelievably thin, and then we get the elitist people who have professions that are generally funded on the backs of the taxpayers saying, stay home, stay safe. It's selfish to want your kids back in school. Really? Come on. Come on. You know what? Here's here's the deal. If public education doesn't believe in itself enough to make a viable option for us working families, then maybe it's time to rethink public education. Because this is not fair. This is not right. This is downright egregiously wrong, actually. And it's about time that we start calling it out for what it is. I mean, there's so many common sense things that are, are not done, and, sh- and certainly were not done at the onset of this pandemic. I mean, we probably all saw the video where, you know, Governor Cuomo dons his leather bomber jacket like he does for his photo ops and, you know, manages to get down to New York and is shown, you know, spraying down some sort of substance onto the seats of subways. And he says, oh, wow, we, we've never done this before. <laughs> Really? Subways don't get sanitized? Like, uh, like just, uh, you know, pre-COVID-19? That never happened? You have homeless people, you know, God love them, sleeping on benches on subways. You have, you know, just, just think, think of the amount of a germ, for lack of a better word. Think of the microbial organisms that colonize in an environment in which it's never sterilized, you have thousands and thousands of interactions of people, exponentially, you know, millions of cross-contamination capabilities happening on a subway system, and it doesn't get sanitized ever. And then when it does, our governor makes a photo op out of it, like, look at me, sanitizing the subway, good for me. And this was like weeks into the pandemic. Like, you have people who rely on mass transportation like that. Like, that's the only way they can get into work. And they're not being sanitized. And then on top of it, with Cuomo's bail reform and COVID-19 jailbreak, people are actually terrified because the way that they get to work, mass transit has been targeted by people who should be behind bars, people who were behind bars, but Cuomo sees sees fit to release them because he doesn't want them to catch COVID-19 in prison. Now, never mind if they, you know, blow up a subway like happened back in March, which, again, you might not have heard about it because major news networks didn't report it, but look it up. Garrett Goebel was a young man who gave his life saving his passengers that fateful morning. 
And, you know, there's guys on surveillance footage. One of them had been released, you know, days prior for arson, frequent flyer, firebug, in and out of jail constantly his whole adult life. And apparently no one's been apprehended for it, even though, even though you can see on surveillance footage this individual on the subway prior to it departing. You know, come on. There's been other attacks on subways and on buses. People who have to use these means of transportation, you know, people who don't have, you know, paid drivers, Andrew Cuomo, there are those of us who don't. You know, I, I know it's probably hard for you to wrap your head around the fact that life is what it is for peasants such as ourselves in this fiefdom of New York State that you've created. But we're really and truly going to actually believe that our government cares about frontline workers when the way that they get to work in some of the heaviest hit areas, most densely populated areas, is actually dangerous because of their policies and neglect of, you know, basic common sense practices like, hey, maybe we should swap down the subway once in a while to, you know, sanitize it a little bit. People... This is ridiculous. It ends when we decide it ends. It ends when we push back. We, we are watching the financial powerhouse of the world. I mean, New York City is a financial center of, of like, the planet. And look what's happening there. People, are, people and businesses are getting out of there as fast as they can. Our state is being ruined. People's lives are being destroyed by the government practices of Andrew Cuomo. This has to stop. This has to stop. So I'm begging you, pay attention to what's going on. Push back. Contact anyone who represents you, whatever part of the state you hail from, and you let them know, we the people have had enough. You know what? And if it comes to a point that we have to come up with private options for education, then so be it. Because you know what? This whole time, daycares have been open, thank God. I mean, really, what do people do without someone to care for their children during the day? P.S. Go back to some of the hundreds of laws that Governor Cuomo changed under his executive privilege that he granted himself back in March. And some of the things that he changed are absolutely sociopathic, like not requiring background checks for, for daycare workers, allowing daycares to basically have no limits on the number of kids they have and the age mixture of kids so you can have older kids with toddlers which can be a recipe for disaster let's just be honest here go back and research that a little bit because some of the stuff that he changed right under our noses without any kind of transparency is absolutely disgusting and and knowing that daycare was going to be a huge issue for families moving forward so trust me when i say there is something so unbelievably grimy going on here in our state. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our children to pay attention and to push back because we may never have another chance to do so. I beg of you today, take a moment to acknowledge the level of attack we are under from within and really from above. And by above, I mean from leadership that should be looking out for us and is not, is kind of predatory in nature. I beg you to pay attention. I beg you to keep in touch. I beg you to, you know, put your faith in action by advocating for people who cannot advocate for themselves. Because that's really what it comes down here to, down to. We're talking about our kids who they can't advocate for themselves. Kids in communities that are completely decimated by crime, by the drug trade, they can't advocate for themselves. 
we're basically sentencing them to death because that's what happens in communities like that. The options are limited, and they're, the, the window of hope and opportunity is narrowing and narrowing and narrowing as every day goes by. Education should be within reach for every child in our state, and our governor is whisking it away without, without any good alternative, no good option at all. Daycares are staying open, so really, why can't schools stay open just on the premise of providing daycare for families who desperately need it? But no, we're going to shut down schools that we're still paying for and then force families to shell out money to have somebody watch their kids and shell out money to have their kids tutored. Come on, this is preposterous. We're being robbed, we're being taken advantage of, we're being played. And now, and on top of that... What's being done to better prepare us to deal with the natural surge of the flu season, including COVID-19, including every coronavirus prior to that? What's being done to better prepare us for it? It doesn't look like much because here's the thing. Oh, hospitals are overflowing. Yeah, okay. I'm sure they are. And why are they? Well, down in New York, since 2012, over 20 hospitals have closed. And the main reason they close is because the reimbursement rates of... You know, Obamacare, for lack of a better term, is driving practices right out of business because they they're not they can't keep the lights on with what they're reimbursed for providing care for people who have this you know card in their pocket that's basically bankrupting major healthcare systems. What's being done to bridge that gap? You've got enormous segments of our state population downstate who do not have adequate health care. And, and I'm not talking about the card in the pocket that shows they're insured. I'm, I'm talking about access to health care. Why don't we have facilities regionally for COVID patients by now? Nine months ago would have been a good idea. And here we are scratching our heads. Oh, not enough manpower, not enough space, not enough beds. Well, part of it is the fact that you have thousands of people who waited months and months and months for surgeries that they had you know, prepared for. Some people went in through absolute agony waiting for surgeries that they desperately needed and couldn't have during COVID, even though there were wings of hospitals completely empty, surgical wings, nothing happening. So now those people are having their procedures and surgeries, and we have this uptick in the flu, the uptick in COVID-19, and it's a disaster. So, and again, nothing being done to prepare for it. So you tell me what's going on here. You tell me how, how great of leadership, you know, People Magazine's candidate for, you know, person of the year, Andrew Cuomo, is exemplifying. Come on. I, I almost threw up in my mouth when I saw that one. Do something amazing today, people. Push back. Save your kids' future because no one else is going to be in line to do it but us. I love you all.